0: This. all right. We're talking about Daniel 5 and like I say we read through this uh, chapter last week but it's focusing on Belshazzar and uh, as I mentioned the last one of the last things I mentioned last week is Belshazzar was Nebuchadnezzar's grandson not his son but it was common to refer to people as the son As long as they were in that line. right? And it was interesting, though, because I was reading part of Mark 6 today, I think it was, where they said that Jesus was the son of Mary, right? And it probably had to do with the fact that Joseph had died, but they still could have said he was the son of Joseph. By saying he was the son of Mary, it was almost an insult to him. Because you, you really didn't do that in that culture, but in this case we've got Nabopolassar, who was Nebuchadnezzar's father, and then Nebuchadnezzar, and then you can see all the way to the right Belshazzar was um, the grand the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. So this is the guy who's running things now. <coughs> and the first four verses of Daniel explain the problem. Belshazzar had a feast. So if you wanna if you have your scriptures, if not, I'll just. Point these things out. They're having a feast, and um, King Belshazzar prepared a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles. He was drinking wine in front of all of them, while under the influence of the wine, he issued an order to bring in the gold and silver vessels, the ones that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had kept safely in the storage place. They were from the Jewish temple. And he brought them back, but he never did anything. They were just there for safekeeping. And uh, sadly, in verse 4, they not only drank out of them, but they praised the gods of silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. And, uh, of course, that's what they should not have done, but that's what they did. And then in verses 5 through 9, we see God's reaction. As soon as this happens, we see this disembodied hand, really just fingers, writing on the wall, and it wrote specific words across the wall, directly across from Belshazzar, so he couldn't possibly miss the fact that they were there. The king becomes troubled, verse 6. I like this um, description. His hips were loosened, and his knees knocked against each other. In essence, he becomes petrified. Are you about done, Buster? I think I'm going to move some of his toys. Okay, that'd be good. So, this is how shocked he was, and I imagine probably we would be doing the same thing if we were in his shoes. So then he orders the wise men, the counselors, to come and explain what's going on. What do these words mean? So they come in, and uh, of course, being the big king, he goes, look, I'll give every, anybody who can read and understand the words, they'll be clothed in purple. They'll be given gold. They'll be made the third ruler of the kingdom, verse 7. So he's trying to put a good face on thing, on everything. But of course the wise men try, but fail miserably. They couldn't make sense out of it. And then because of that, Belshazzar, following verse 8, is beside himself with fear and worry, he has no clue what this all means. And so he just he just wants to know what does it possibly mean. I'm sure he knew it was something not good. So the queen enters and reminds Belshazzar of a man named Daniel. And uh, it's funny that she had to come in and do this. And This is probably the queen mother, Nebuchadnezzar's surviving wife, not Belshazzar's wife or wives who were probably already at the banquet. And I find it fascinating that she wasn't there. So that tells you something. She probably did not agree with him. She thought what he was doing was foolish and foolhardy. Mm so um, good for her. That would have been his grandmother. Yes, sir, it would have been. So, Daniel 5, 10 to 12. The queen reminds the uh, king of Daniel. Now, isn't it interesting that she had to remind him of Daniel, that he wasn't aware of Daniel? But what's interesting is a few verses later, (coughs) Daniel makes it clear that he knew of all this stuff. He just had chosen to not remember So he had probably chosen to ignore him, favoring his own wise men and counselors Mm -hmm. instead of Daniel, who was rather aged at this point, but certainly wasn't ready for the pastor. The queen encourages Belshazzar to call for Daniel, who will reveal the mystery of the writing. So she is, uh, she's all, she's all that. And she says, uh, verse 12, chapter five, thus there was found in this man Daniel, whom the king renamed Belshazzar an extraordinary spirit Knowledge and skill to interpret dreams, solve riddles, and decipher knotty problems. I'm reading from the uh, NET. Now, summon Daniel, and he will disclose the interpretation. There's no doubt in her mind what he's capable of doing. <clears throat> so, in chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, Daniel is brought in, and he admits that he'd heard of him. So Daniel was brought in before the king. The king said to Daniel, Are you the Daniel who was of the captives of Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? I've heard about you, how there is a spirit of the gods in you, and how you have insight, discernment, extraordinary wisdom. Then he tells about what his wise men were unable to do, verse 15, and then in 16, However, I've heard that you are able to provide interpretations. And then he promises the same thing in verse 16 to Daniel that he promised uh, to his own wise men. But Daniel replies, I love this. <clears throat> in verse 17, keep your gifts, give your rewards to someone else. He wasn't really interested in it at all. And of course, Belshazzar pretty much ignores that. So Daniel, this is very interesting. I'm going to read these two verses, uh, 18 and 19. As for you, O king, the Most High God bestowed on your father, Nebuchadnezzar, a kingdom, greatness, honor, and majesty. Due to the greatness that he bestowed on him, all peoples, nations, and language groups were trembling with fear before him. He killed whom he wished he spared whom he wished, he exalted whom he wished, and he brought low whom he wished. And when his mind became arrogant and his spirit filled with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and his honor was removed from him. He was driven from human society, his mind was changed to that of an animal, he lived with the wild donkeys, he was fed grass like oxen, His body became damp with the dew of the sky until he came Mm -hmm. to understand that the Most High God rules over human kingdoms and he appoints over them whomever he wishes. But you, his son, verse 22, Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself, although you knew
1: Mm -hmm. all of this.
0: So he goes right to the heart of the matter and He's basically telling him, look, everything that happened to your grandfather, you knew that it happened. You knew why it happened. And you also knew the results of what happened and how it humbled him. Daniel then reminds Belshazzar of his own pride and the fact that though he understood what his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar had gone through. But in spite of this, verses 22 through 24... Daniel reminds Belshazzar he ignored all of what God did to Nebuchadnezzar. His pride prompted his actions against God. Now, what is fascinating to me is, as I compare chapter 5 with chapter 4 before it, Nebuchadnezzar was humbled. God saw that he could humble him and that Nebuchadnezzar would benefit greatly from it. In spite of what he had to put him through. You'll notice here in verse in, in chapter five, Belshazzar, apparently, there was nothing in Belshazzar that God felt he could humble. He was beyond the ability to be humbled. And he got there because everything he knew about what happened to his grandfather, he set aside. He deliberately ignored in favor of of worshiping gods of wood, stone, silver, and gold that can't see, that can't hear, and he wound up ignoring totally God because of pride. We know that Nebuchadnezzar, even way back when with chapter 2, understood that God, the God of Daniel, was a very quote-unquote high God, a very powerful God, and he came to be eventually see him as more powerful than any other god and well, then he eventually became to see him as the only god
1: even worse Lord. than that he's defiling the there you go. the holy vessels he sure from is. the yeah. temple of the one true god yeah so he had crossed the in line in further defiance yes yeah. he crossed that line with, deliberately
0: yeah, absolutely deliberate. and, and and he did not need to go there those vessels could have been left alone, but he thought, oh, "I got an idea. This will be so cool. Watch me impress my friends." Yeah, so it's about impressing his friends. Belshazzar failed to give glory to God because of his immense pride, and exactly what you were saying, Sam. That pride led him to do something so stupid.
1: Yeah. Well, he's probably we want to show them off too. I mean, exactly. Perhaps. You know, of this ensemble, uh, you know, he may have been the only one who had ever gazed on these things because he had access to this Yeah, so this he wanted to brag about so, it too, well. oh, Yeah, bring them out. Yeah. Let me show them off. Yeah, yeah. let's drink out of them. Yeah.
0: So Belshazzar's life was in God's hand, yet he didn't even consider it. God sent judgment in the form of writing as a warning of what would be. This was not something negotiable. This is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Verse 24. So in verses 25 through 28, Daniel explains. He explains what the, th- the problem is. He explains what the words mean. And Belshazzar does what he promises. He gives Daniel purple clothing, gold, third ruler of the kingdom. I seriously doubt, do you, that, that Daniel was impressed with anything? <laughs> no. I could just see him there with a the purple robe like this. Take this thing off. Yeah. You know, he did not care at all. He did not care. So in verses 30 and 31, and in that very night, Belshazzar, the Babylonian king, was killed. So Darius the Mede took control of the kingdom when he was about 62 years old. I find it fascinating the way they did this. That very night, so while Belshazzar and his concubines and all of his lords They're all celebrating and having this great big to-do. Darius the Mede and his armies were outside of Babylon. Outside. And they had already made a way to get in. And nobody knew. Nobody knew because they're so busy partying. And they figured, this is impenetrable. How are they going to get through these walls? We're good. Well, they got through So what they did was and i find this fascinating they diverted the water from the euphrates river that flowed through babylon they literally diverted it so that the water was only about knee to thigh high and they were able to cross in get underneath the wall and simply walk into babylon on the riverbed and then climb over the unprotected walls no one was protecting them because they thought they're not going no, to try and get in here. It's not going to happen. So the Babylonians under Belshazzar thought their city impenetrable. How often have we read about that in history?
1: Yeah.
0: Even just biblical history. The Babylonians under Belshazzar thought... Well, Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The city of Jerusalem was yeah. penetrated. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating to me. Um, They were unaware of what happened until it was too late. And then 3031, he was killed. That very night, Darius the Mede slays Belshazzar in God's judgment. Apparently, the Persians, as I mentioned, they diverted the water. And maybe I got this in there twice. Shouldn't have happened. But yes, I got it in there twice. Now, Darius is 62 years old when God gave him the Babylonian kingdom. And it's fascinating because Daniel is still alive, and even though the government changes from Belshazzar and Babylonia to Darius the Mede and then the Persians, Daniel still plays an important role in this new kingdom that comes in and took over Babylon. So Babylon, in one sense, represents the world and how it often ignores and even blasphemes God and how it is going to come to an end. And we studied that when we studied Revelation. The day of judgment is coming when God will pour out his wrath onto this world. Seven-year tribulation, the three and a half, um, the, the second three and a half will be much worse than the first three and a half. And we read about that as we studied in Revelation 6 through 18. And part of that is the... Destruction of Babylon, modern-day Babylon, which is a spiritual counterpart of what undergirded Babylon from the days of Nebuchadnezzar and then Belshazzar. So just as Babylon fell on the 16th day of Tishri, or October 11th or 12th, 539 BC, so will the world be overtaken by complete disaster when the day of the Lord comes, as Paul mentions in 1 Thessalonians 5. Really? One to three. So the day of the Lord, Sam, you and I were talking about this, and I, we may not agree on exactly with this, but this is just simply from my perspective. The day of the Lord is generally understood to be that extended period of time, starting with the tribulation, which includes all of the events of the second coming of Christ and the millennial kingdom on earth, and you can go to Joel to see that. I do realize, and I want to make that clear, that not everybody, not all commentators, conservative, agree with this. Some say that the day of the Lord is specifically when Jesus returns. That's what they call the day of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Others will say, now it starts the second half of the tribulation and goes from there. It it just depends on who you're reading and what their references are. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 1-3, Paul focuses on the beginnings of Of that day, in my opinion, which begins unexpectedly like a thief in the night. And you look at what's going on in this world right now and you think, okay, well, what other pieces need to fall into place before stuff can really go bad here? So, just in general, here as we wrap this up, pride, our downfall. He knew. God saw something redeemable in Nebuchadnezzar. He knew that humbling Nebuchadnezzar would have the chosen effect. God also knew that Belshazzar was not redeemable and an attempt to humble him would have zero effect. So he didn't even do that. Belshazzar was judged and as the scripture says from Daniel, found wanting and then ultimately slayed. The kingdom was then given to another.
1: It amazes me. Go ahead. Uh, from generation to generation, these kings, how Nebuchadnezzar, you know, he, he, by the time of his, end of Israel, he had pretty much straightened up and was flying right and yeah. respected God and, and and it seemed to, that, that thought process didn't seem to get passed down. Yeah. Nor did it get passed down in the, in the, in Israel or Judah or, uh, yeah. You know, because they would yeah. go from uh, uh, one king, you know, yeah. would be devout and right. yeah, uh, sense Lord sense. serving yeah. and Lord honoring and, and his son yeah. would be warm. running up. you know. Uh, yeah. Well, that's just mankind. It is. I mean, we have to choose to follow God. Every day. We have to choose. Yeah, but... And these, these that we're talking about, they chose not to. Yeah. And... Mm-hmm. Those that I'm were, just saying. I mean, you know, a, I, maybe, I find God every day. Yeah. I grew up in a Christian home. Yeah, because had I not, mm-hmm. I know, there's no telling where I'd I know. Mm-hmm.
0: Same with all of us. Mm-hmm. All of us. I was telling you know, somebody today. I said yeah. sometimes it's it's almost like too confusing to me. But not really. I mean, you, you just sit there and it boggles your mind that God would reach down and open your eyes so that you can see the truth and have a chance to receive it. It's just amazing. And yet we have a guy like. Belshazzar, who knew the truth, yeah. saw it in his own grandfather, and totally rejected it. So, any one of us can be over can be overcome with pride and lack of humility. Any one of us. We can dig in, make our situation worse, leaving God no choice. I see that happening with certain pastors today. They they make mm-hmm. these statements, and then you you're like what? And then they dig in, and they double down and triple down and So it can happen to
1: anyone.
0: 1 Corinthians 11.30 explains what also can happen to Christians who continue in sin and pride. God may choose to take them home early for their own benefit, for his glory, to save them from creating bigger problems for themselves and others. So the lesson I get from this is, you know, we've always got to be on guard our hearts and recognize that sin through pride, it's really never that far away. It can get us. So, and these are just three verses that, um, and we'll end with this: Proverbs 28:14, "How blessed is the man who fears always, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity." Zechariah 7:12, "They made their hearts like flint, so that they could not hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by His Spirit through the former prophets." Therefore, great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. And the last one. Fifty-one, seventeen. Sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So, you know, the lesson for us is to just remain not just
1: obedient, absolutely obedient, but humble mm-hmm. as we continue to approach God.